turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter... We would like to begin reading with verse 17. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17, where there the Bible tells us, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord... Even the devils, and of course, in the King James Version, the word devils is demons. There is only one devil. We keep emphasizing this. This should be demons. It's a different Greek word. The demons are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Our message this evening is going to be recognizing demon possession. How can you know if someone is demon-possessed or not? Now, I'll be honest with you, we don't know any formulas. I cannot be too absolute about what we're going to say. We are going to connect up the various reasons or ways that we might spot someone who is demon-possessed by the messages that have been preached before in this series. We have no absolute, definite, clear-cut rule in the Bible for demon possession. For instance, in the Bible in the New Testament, a man who gave all the symptoms of epilepsy was said to be possessed of demons. But we do know that it is medically possible to put a probe into the brain and cause a physical disability that will produce an epileptic seizure, the same sort of thing brought on by something that is purely physical. So we say it's hard to discern. In every case, we cannot be absolute, but sometimes it'll be a combination of characteristics. There are people that, since I have made this study, that I've been associated with in the past, that I have no doubt in my own mind now that they are demon-possessed. Now, at the time, I didn't realize it, and we'll try to notice a little bit of some of the signs and things that we might see. In the text verse that we read to you, uh, the Bible does deal with exorcism, that is, the casting out of demons. If someone is demon-possessed, uh, can those demons be cast out of that individual? Now, we're told in these verses that God gave the authority to his disciples and to his people to cast out the demons out of those who were possessed. Now, they were not to rejoice, he told them, in the fact that the demons were made subject unto them. They were not to rejoice because they had more power or more authority given unto them than the demons had given unto them. But they were to rejoice because their names are written in heaven. We need to rejoice in the fact of God's salvation, God's saving us. 
But it is true that the child of God can exercise and does exercise power even today over demoniac forces. To what degree? We don't always know, but we'll try to give a few examples. Now, I'd like to state some signs or some ways of recognizing demon possessions today. Psychic or occult powers. If you see somebody who has psychic powers, or you see somebody who has occult powers, you can be very much persuaded in your mind of a strong possibility of demon possession. Now, what do I mean by psychic or occult powers? We've talked about them before. The ability to sense things about people, the ability to foretell the future, to have insight about people that they have never known before. If someone can come up to you and tell you things about yourself that they have no way possibly of knowing because they never knew you before, then you can suspect demoniac activity that, that is revealed to them through the power of evil spirits. Now, in the book of Acts, for the proof text of this, we have looked at this in part before, but let's look at it in full now. Acts chapter 16, we remember the story when the apostle Paul and Silas came into the land. There we see several things happening. You sit down right now. Sit down right now in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Sit down. Sit down right now. Sit down. Sit down. Brother Belton, a couple of you men take it outside. Call the, call the police and hear it. Sit down. You see, the, the idea of demon possession infiltrates many places. Demons have always before tried to upset the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, and today is no exception. But anyway, let's go on with this girl that we uh, started to uh, mention here in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Begin reading with me, if you have your Bibles, in verse 16. We see things today uh, very comparable to this. It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us. Now, this divination has to do with fortune-telling, has to do with being able to look into the future and foretell events, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. In other words, she was the prognosticator of her day. People would come to her to have their palms read, or at least the future told about them, for a price. And it says, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. Now, this girl, we said, made her masters much gain through her fortune-telling, but she did tell the truth about Paul and Silas. She had psychic powers. 
She had never seen Paul before, and she had never seen Silas before. But she did follow them several days in a row, saying, These men are the uh, servants of the Most High God. She presented a certain truth. That is, she knew something about Paul and about Silas through some power. And we know what that power was, for she was possessed, of course, with demons. But now she makes an error in her judgment. And this is where the matter of demon possession comes in. If you will notice in the 17th verse, these men are the servants of the Most High God. That was true. Which show unto us, and in your Bible it says, the way of salvation. In the Greek language there is no definite article there. The word the is not there. What she literally said was, these men show unto us a way of salvation a way of salvation, giving the idea that there were many different ways to be saved. And this is why the Apostle Paul turned to her, irritated with her, recognizing she was possessed with a demon, and cast the demon out of her. For we know he had already stated in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. So then, she mixed error with truth. Therefore, we have a hint, or we have an idea about recognizing demon possession. Someone who can uh, tell certain truths about people, never knowing them before, mixing error with that which they say. Then secondly, we should be careful of those who work magic. We're talking about how you can recognize demon possession, those who work magic. Now, I do not mean the sleight of hand. I think all of us like to be entertained by various tricks with the hand, you know, making things disappear and, and all like that. You know, that's what these stores do with the money in our billful. They work magic. <laughs> it's gone, you know. We all enjoy the sleight of hand. That's not the kind of magic I mean. I mean magic like we have recorded in the book of Acts chapter 8. Turn with me there. When a man has this kind of power, and I believe that many do today, in fact, I believe we've seen them in our day. We've seen them in men like uh, A. Allen and others. If you will notice with me now in Acts chapter 8, reading verses beginning at verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Here was a man who worked magic in the midst of people, and they were bewitched by him from the highest all the way down unto the very least. They were bewitched by him. Such a man was Simon. We need to be very careful of men who have this kind of power, believing it to be a source or drawn from a source of demon possession. This is one way that we might recognize uh, someone who is possessed with demons. Now, don't be surprised uh, if you encounter, 
in your Christian experience demons. When you begin to uh, tell things as they are, point out uh, about these psychic or occult powers, when you begin dealing with those who perform their so-called miracles of healing and their magical speaking in tongues, this sort of thing, they're going to squawk about it. The devils, the demons of hell are not going to go along with that. So we need to be careful. Watch those. Another thing is the matter of spiritualism or necromancy, calling up the dead or communication with the dead. If anyone we know of today can speak to the dead or say that they speak to the dead, this is a sign of demon possession. Someone who tells you they can communicate with spirits of the deceased because demons do impersonate the voices of those who have died and gone on before, but they must speak through a medium. And if through someone they speak, that person has opened themselves up to be possessed of demons. We have a case like this possibly in Saul, King Saul and the witch at Endor in the Old Testament, and we saw it in the case of Bishop Pike when we studied him. We need to read anew concerning this, the book of Deuteronomy. Turn with me there to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, and let us look at verses 10 through 12, where the Bible says, There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, enchanter or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. And that's what we're talking about, a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. These are signs of demon possession or demoniac control. We're marking out a few of them. The next that I would like to call your attention to in recognizing demon possession will be a marked change in intelligence. Now think about that for a moment, a marked change in intelligence. We have such a case in Adolf Hitler. I think probably some of you older ones have no problem remembering uh, Adolf Hitler, a man who was certainly an, an unlearned man, never schooled at all, a man who had very little abilities, a paper hanger, amongst other uh, things that he did, a corporal finally in the army, and then we see him exalted to the power the head come over the nation of Germany. And as he began to rise to power, he became a man of superintelligence. You can say what you want to say about Adolf Hitler, but that man was a genius later in life, and he was not a genius earlier in life. He became a great orator. He could get up and speak so as to control a whole nation who did not really believe his philosophy. And I'm reminded in the book of Daniel, it talks about the prince of Persia, that there must have been a demon over, a national demon over the nation of Persia, and a demon, no doubt, over the nation of Germany, probably one over our own country and others who have charge, because we do know there's rank and file amongst the principalities and powers and authorities that be. If Adolf Hitler did not get his power that he had, his auditory, his superintelligence from the demon forces of the unseen world. I believe Adolf Hitler was possessed of demons. It doesn't bother me in the least to believe that. Now, the next uh, sign or the next thing that I want to call to your attention 
is that of superhuman strength. Superhuman strength. I was kind of silently praying as you brethren got hold of the lady a few moments ago that she didn't throw you through the wall. That happens sometimes, and I have seen it myself, and not recognizing at the time what it was. Now, I was reading from the Los Angeles Police Department files uh, where they talked about several of the demonstrations that they'd have. And there would be a man, maybe a little fellow, five foot five or something, and it'd take as many as six big policemen to hold him down. Superhuman strength. And he would fight them and, boy, just do everything with them. And I've seen this on television. They go in and grab someone in the mob, and they just go like that and nip them right up off the ground. Now, this is not strange. If you'll turn to the book of Mark, the Bible illustrates it uh, very much so. Uh, I noticed back years ago when I would see these things and get involved in it, and I've been involved in it a few times, trying to hold somebody uh, down or something rather like that and unable to do it, and me being twice their size and having three or four to help me. But if you'll notice in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says, and this is of the uh, Gadarean demoniac, uh, because that he had been often bound with fetters. Now, fetters... Uh, has to do both with the uh, hands and with the feet. And notice what else it says. Uh, and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. Verse 3 says that he, they could not bind him, not even with chains. They would put the old log chain around him, and, and he would break them, snap them asunder. Superhuman strength. Where did he get his power? Where did he get his superhuman strength? The Bible says he was filled with demons whose name was Legion. And the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, cast Legion out of him, cast the demons out of him, and we see that which happened. Uh, his, his strength then, of course, superhuman strength was gone. But there are several cases in the news stories today we see of those who possess the superhuman strength. Now, another thing before I leave this particular uh, section of this man possessed, now, with demons, the Bible says concerning him that he dwelt in the tombs. The Bible says that he dwelt amongst the tombs. He was a man with an unclean spirit. In the other Gospels, it says that he took his clothes off, that he would not keep clothes on. He would dwell naked amongst the tombs. Nakedness or showing off the human body is a sign of demon possession. For the Bible says when Jesus cast the demons out of him, he was found clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now let me tell you an instance that happened just the other day. And you know these things have all happened to me or come to my attention since I have been studying in this matter of demon possession. I've had, uh, well, tonight for one. This is something that uh, I'd expected something like this even before now. But a friend of mine was preaching a revival not too many miles from here. And in this church, going with the preacher's daughter, was a man who uh, said he was saved. His name was on the church roll, but he had been arrested five or six times for indecent, indecent exposure. In the parking lot where he worked, he would take his clothes off. Or where he, in the factory where he worked, he would take his clothes off. Five or six times he'd been arrested for exposing himself, indecent exposure. And uh, another friend of mine, who a preacher, happened to be visiting the revival meeting, 
began talking to him and began talking to him about the Holy Spirit of God and the, the Spirit of God working on him and all like that, and the fellow got violent. So this young man, a uh, preacher friend of mine, told this man, says, you are demon-possessed. You're not saved. And they got in a big argument in the church. He was a very close friend to one of the men in the church. Anyway, several things transpired, and the next day, in the next service, the evangelist preached on the Gadarean demoniac. And he preached concerning this demon possession and the signs of it, all that followed this man. And don't you know that the man yelled out in the service, and he come down front uh, weeping and broken, realizing the problem that he had, and he said that he was delivered that day. As far as I know, uh, he's proven himself since. But anyway, uh, this is something that I heard about just two weeks ago. It certainly is associated. And if that be the case, the demons are invading America today. You know it's true, for there's very little clothing worn. Now, the next thing that I want to call your attention to as a possible recognition of demon possession and that is depression, despondency, and suicidal tendencies. We've had several calls, or at least people telling us, about folks in their churches trying to commit suicide the last month. You know, it's strange, isn't it, how things work out? Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 5 through 10, the Bible says, now this is about, uh, let me get here and make sure I got where I want, and cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed and went and hanged himself. Now this is Judas Iscariot. And the chief priest took the silver and so on with it, and he hanged himself, killed himself, Judas Iscariot did. The Bible had said in the Gospel of John chapter 13, just preceding this, that when the supper had ended, the last supper, that Satan himself entered into Judas Iscariot, and he was possessed by the possessor himself, Satan himself, and he went out and hanged himself, suicidal tendencies. He took his own life. Now turn back to, from there to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, where we read verses 14 and uh, 15, and when they were come to the multitude from the Mount of Transfiguration, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and so vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Suicidal tendency. What else could it be to cast oneself into the water? Now, anyway... The Bible says here, Jesus rebuked the demon in verse 18, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. It was demon possession that brought about the tendency to take lives. Now, you mark it down. When you know somebody, and they continually have uh, suicidal mania, I guess that's the word, when they continually have that, watch out for the fact that they are possessed by the demon spirits. This Gadarean demoniac we mentioned, the Bible says he took stones and cut himself, mutilated his body. And depression, despondency, and all of this comes along with the idea of demon possession. We see today monks of other religions. We see uh, people today protesting 
pouring uh, all over themselves gasoline and striking a match. And up they go. Could this be demon possession? It seems to fit the description of Iscariot and others given in the Word of God. Next, filthy, uncontrollable swearing. Filthy, uncontrollable swearing is a possible sign of demon possession, especially when the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned or the name of God is mentioned. I worked with a man once when I was in the drug field that in all of my life I've never met anyone like that. I used to say he's the most ungodly man that I had ever known in all of my life. And he would do everything. When I would be witnessing to somebody, he would come up and take the name of God in vain. And the only way, the only way that I could stop him was telling him if he didn't hush, I was going to break his jaw. The only way I could get him to hush. I never saw anyone like that. And now I have the idea that that man is possessed with demons. You could mention the Holy Spirit of God and he would nearly go insane. I have never seen anybody react the way that that man did, and, the, and so on. Those were back in the days when Brother Walker was alive, and he was opposing John F. Kennedy for the uh, presidency of the United States, and especially in the primary, because of his Roman Catholic background. And naturally, all of them there just about where I work were Catholics, and I was on Brother Walker's side, and I was young, and... Uh, those days and pretty starchy, and boy, I'd sure wake them Catholics over the cold. I'd tell them, boy, about Kennedy, you know, and, and all like that, and that boy would get so mad. Uh, only the grace of God, I would imagine, delivered me from being hurt severely by him uh, because, man, he's ungodly. And I think about it now, that he was probably uh, such a blasphemer that he was possessed with demons. Those days I didn't think much about demon possession. Now, radical change in personality. When someone changes their personality radically from what it once was to something altogether different, this is a sign of possible demon possession. In the uh, books that I've been reading, I borrowed some from Brother Ken Dryden, different ones that deal with the history of the occult going all the way back, uh, encyclopedias of witchcraft, going from the very earliest times they know anything about it up until now, drugs have always been associated with the occult. Hallucinogens of various kinds with amongst the Indians and everybody else, some kind of drugs. What these drugs do today is produce a radical change in someone's personality. They break down the will of that person and allow that person to become possessed with demons. And we've seen this uh, time and time again, those who indulge in the occult. Their personalities begin to change. They are no longer interested in their family. They're no, more, no longer interested in their selves, their jobs, their community. They're interested only in practicing the occult. We remember Patrick Michael Newell. We told you about him in New Jersey who had his friends tape his hands together and his feet together and cast him into the pond, the New Jersey foothills, that he thought he might come back as a uh, ruler over so many of Satan's demons. Anyway, the boy's personality changed radically, and I believe he was possessed. 
Now let's talk for just a moment about exorcism, the casting out of demons, the casting out of demons. Now, really, there's not a whole lot that I know concerning this. I'm about half afraid, I'll be honest with you. I have prayed, but I've prayed half-heartedly that the Lord would put me in a position or bring me into a position, uh, pretty much the position that we had tonight, uh, with someone who probably possessed. Uh, and you just don't know, this, this thing frightens me as I study the Word of God. And we'll make some comments concerning There's a book out today called The Exorcist. Uh, it's a reach national popularity, a national bestseller. It's not one that I recommend for you to read. But there's always been magic formulas and rituals for casting out demons. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 22, they accused Christ of casting out demons by Beelzebub. So it is possible for demons to cast out demons. Now you think about that for a moment. It is possible for demons to cast out demons. In our sermon Sunday night, when we dealt with, I'm sorry, it was Sunday morning, when we dealt concerning the tongues taking the place of drugs, having an instant withdrawal from the drugs over to the experience of the tongues, this is a case of demons casting out demons. There are different kind of demons and so on. So it is possible. Now, as I read the various books that... Now, dealt with the casting out of demons by demoniac force. Boy, some of those methods were terrible. I read one where they uh, would put this flammable stuff in the, in the person who was possessed in his nostrils and then ignite it, burning that all, burning out in there. And this was a way that the demon spirit was driven out. And there's been all kinds. All you have to do is go, well, if you feel that you can handle this book, Big Source, read it and others various methods that happen. Magic, magic formulas, rituals, and so on are used to expel evil spirits by evil spirits. But now we contrast this kind of exorcism with the exorcism practiced by Jesus Christ and his disciples. When Jesus cast out demons, he did so by a word. He merely spoke the word and the demons came out. There is one case where prayer and fasting, he said, was necessary for those particular kind for the disciples. Turn to the Gospel of Mark with me, chapter 16. In Matthew or in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, we have what Jesus gives to his disciples. In verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. In my name shall they cast out devils. No ritual, no formula, but casting out simply by the name of Jesus. In corresponding with a lady in the edge of Cincinnati, since we have started uh, these messages, uh, she told me that we had one of her letters, I think maybe posted on the board back there, that she had gotten tied up with the Full Gospel Fellowship. Businessmen's Full Gospel goes by different names. And she had gone to their services, and after the services, they would go, she never had gone, but they would go in the back room, and they would cast demons out of people. People who came there they thought were demon-possessed, they would go through a ritual and a chant and, a, and some long uh, formula to cast the demons out of that person. Well, this in itself is not biblical. 
For when demons were exercised, cast out of individuals, they were done so by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it may be that it's a case of demons casting out demons. Satan is very religious today. He's doing a whole lot in the name of religion. And uh, he casts out demons, one kind, to replace it with a religious demon. We said there were all kinds of demons. Did we preach on seven demons here one time and name them? I think we did. Uh, the demons of lust, fear, uh, those things. I'm sure we did way back. Yeah, the day after the night, the night service when Brother Wilson left after the Sunday morning. Remember the time that we used it. Turn with me now to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, reading verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Behold, I give you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, rather because your names are written in heaven. This is where we began in our text. Here we see that as children of God, we have authority over demons. So I believe it's possible to cast demons out of people today. I have listened to several tapes where they have an actual conversation, supposedly recorded by honest men, where demons are cast out and the demons talk back, back and forth, back and forth. Not surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you haven't heard a conversation between... <laughs> Uh, a demon tonight. But anyway, this, this actually, I think, happens, but we have the authority over them. Now, read Matthew, if you will, chapter 17, where we were a while ago. In verses 14 through 21, especially reading in verse 21, Howbeit this kind of demon goeth out not, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. In many cases, it's merely in the name of Jesus, I command you to depart out of them. And then there are other cases where prayer and fasting is involved, depending on how strong a hold that he has, that the demon's spirits have upon the individual. Now, there is a part in this exorcism on the person who is possessed. I think that they must confess their sins. Certainly they must recognize and renounce the devil. The reason, the thing that scares me about all this is in the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 16. Turn there. Acts 19, verse 13 through 16. The Bible says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, these were Jews who were not saved, they were vagabond, and they cast demons out of people. That's what it says they were, you see. They took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva Jew and the chief of priests. He was a religious fellow, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are ye? The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. Here's that superhuman power that I talked to you a while ago. He beat up seven of them, brother. Uh, all at one time, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and so on. When we start these services of exorcism, we better know what we're doing. We better not be, even though we might be priests or what, the seven sons of Sceva. And I think that's what goes on in these full gospel uh, business things that they have on where they 
take people in the back room and cast demons out of them. I think this is what goes on with men like Pat Boone who practices exorcism. I think they better be very careful or they themselves will be overcome if they have not already been overcome by demoniac forces. My thought is this on exorcism. My thought is this, if you can get the person who is possessed to recognize he is a sinner, you pray for that man, pray for that man, pray for that man, preach to him the gospel, and command in the name of Jesus Christ the demons to come out of him, that you can see that man's life changed by the grace of God. We know that there have been men who have been vile, that have been born again, one unto the Lord. And I think we're going to see more and more and more of this exorcism on the part of God's people as the days come and go. I feel very confident that we will because there is such a revival of demoniac activity. We need to pray. We need to be aware. We need to look out for these characteristics in people to know whether or not they are possessed with demons.